Welcome to A Pie with Shawnee B coming to you from my home city of Dublin. Yesterday and the day before, Inspire Fest 18 took place, which I attended one of the days and it was magnificent conference and one of the people I met there who actually cartooned me without my knowledge and I was on Twitter trying to find her and then she had actually drawn me. So it's a bit of fate that we're possibly together. I'm here with one of the world's leading cartoonists, uh, Liza Donnelly. Uh, she is a cartoonist for The New Yorker and CBS News, a pioneer of originate, an originator of digital live drawing, which we'll hear about a bit later. She's a writer and public speaker, and she believes in changing the world through humor. What can be wrong with that? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Sean. It's great Donnelly to meet you. Donnelly is a very Irish name you know. I yeah. presume you have oh, some really? of us in you somewhere, have you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> About four generations ago, a man named Peter Donnelly came over from Monaghan County. Okay, so that would have been probably famine. No, actually it was before that. Before the famine. So maybe five generations. Okay. Is this your first time here? It is. And? I'm embarrassed. I love it. Don't, let it, don't get fooled by the weather. You've got, you've got great yeah, weather. I know, here. I know. Got, this is our summer. It lasts about four days, and next week <laughs> it'll be raining and dull. And I know. I don't mind rain at all. Yeah. So how did you enjoy the conference? Was it, did you? It was great. Yeah. Uh, I was drawing every everybody. That's one of the when I when I met the organizer Anne, I offered to to draw the conference. Yeah. And I asked her if I could speak as well, and she's like, "Oh yes, of course." So, I I drew almost every speaker. I missed a few because I was getting ready to speak myself. Yeah. But they they were fascinating. Some of them quite young, young yeah. women, very inspiring. I, I mean, know, I, what was I doing at fourteen? I didn't know it was a kind of a women's conference. Not so really. I, I wouldn't say that. Well, it's but it is kind of like I, I was going. It's great that there's all these women speakers because I thought it was you know. But it, it is it is inspiring women to greatness as our our diversity right. It's a, it's a diversity theme running through it. Yes, you know? but I think um, tech particularly. Yeah. But uh, they're trying to break the mold of conferences and, and make at least 50% of the speakers be women. And the speakers did not all speak about women's no, topics. No, they didn't start by Whatever a woman's yeah. topic is, I yeah. don't know. But yeah. no, it was, it's a conference that happens to be peopled by a lot of women. Yeah, talk, talk to me a little bit about the F word, feminism. You, I've seen some of your stuff online about whether you're uncomfortable or not so uncomfortable with the feminist word being attached to you. You said you talk about the fact that you're a cartoonist who happens to be a woman, but you did break the glass ceiling of female cartoonists. There were very few. There are now yeah, more. There are more. And you've been doing it since 1979. So mm-hmm. tell me about how you see that. Well, I've always been a feminist yeah. uh, since I, I can remember. And I grew up in a time uh, during the civil rights era and the women's movement and uh, Watergate down in Washington, D.C., and I wanted to do something with my cartoons. I wanted to help. I, I was a shy kid, but I really wanted to speak through my cartoons. I didn't think at that time that that included women's rights, so I just was drawing whatever I felt was important and what I wanted to draw and make people laugh. Um, it wasn't until a little bit later that I realized I could use my skills to draw about women's rights globally. Uh, but I love as well one of your speeches. You said that you're you were giving a theme, you were putting women into cartoons that didn't necessarily need to have a woman in them, right? So that right. So every cartoon is a guy with four fingers or whatever, but you were putting, <laughs> you were putting a woman yeah, in Yeah, yeah. You know, and you, it didn't matter that it, who was speaking. Right. Was, yeah. and when that's I really started true. out, I think, I think in many cases when I started out, art, generally speaking, every man was a man. And if you put a woman speaking in a cartoon or in, in fiction, it, was, it had to do with women's issues like the stereotypic raising children, cooking, shopping, all that stuff. But yeah. now you can put a woman speaking in it and it doesn't make you think that it's a woman speaking. It's just somebody speaking. It's a person. And that's why I say 
I'm a cartoonist who happens to be a woman. It's not because I don't believe in feminism. It's quite the contrary. It's, but I don't think we should categorize women all the same. You know, we don't all draw the same. We don't all mm. think the same. We're just people. You, you've talked a lot. You're born in Washington, and you talked a lot about your the, your mother, particularly the influence she had on you by recognizing that you at an early age had this interest and feeding it and, and, and you know letting you draw you said you drew all the time when you mm. were a little girl yeah and also Thurber was a big influence for you as mm -hmm. well and he had a crazy mother who was funny as well there were some apocryphal stories of her I read once which was that she went this is very funny she went to a, um, a faith healing conference and pretended she was crippled and then just got up and went I can walk I, can I walk. have heard that yeah. that's great but is it, I, I do a lot of these talks with people and we talk about early childhood and quite a lot of them are people who've booked a trend, who've had to face down a parent for trying to drive them in one direction or a teacher or something like that. And mm -hmm. you had this great, you, you seem to have had this great nurture about it. your parents just letting you, yeah. letting you run with it. Yeah, I think my parents did. They, they were really supportive. I had a good childhood, although there's... I think some things that drove me to be funny, in part because, okay, here's two things. My sister was a textbook juvenile delinquent. Yeah. So I was ended up being the good girl, and that's yeah. why I wanted to make my mother happy. I wanted mm -hmm. to make her smile, because that was my role in, in the family. And then the other thing is that society didn't really think women were funny. They still There's still people that don't. So I was trying to buck that trend. I was trying to like push back against that, because when I found out, when it was brought to my attention that there weren't many women cartoonists, I think I, my, my interest was piqued, my, mm. my competitive edge. I was already drawing cartoons, yeah. but I, I thought, oh, hmm. I saw some of your early ones where you were, you know, just, you, you, you made the comment of destroying relatives or people that you saw when you went to Italy, you know, destroying all these yeah. very crazy <laughs> sort of people. Yeah. And if you, I, that's one of the things I love about your work, it's just this beautiful little nuanced device, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's always like a little dog looking on, or like, I mean, oh, your famous one about the slut, or I want to be, I don't know whether I want to be a good girl or a slut. Uh, yeah. There's a unicorn on the wall. Oh, you're right. I'm kind of going, you know, I'm picking all these little things out now that I see them. Talk to, uh, let me be contentious here about the, the female comedian. I mean, I used to do some stand up comedy myself. There is a theory that says that women don't have to be funny. Okay, there's a, a biological tip theory that mm. says, Males who are ugly and smelly attract women by making them laugh, okay? Mm -hmm. And women don't attract males necessarily by making them laugh. In fact, quite a lot of males get very kind of weird about fun. I, I love being with a woman who's funny, you yeah. know, who's funnier than me. If oh, I have a girlfriend who will you me later, you'll get a great kick out of it. But a lot of men don't like that. It kind of emasculates them a bit. So there's this biological theory. And if you look at comedians... The sorts of comedians that have been pioneers, like the the, the, the Joan um, Rivers or the or the Rosannes of this world, or even or even Bamford, there's a lot of very strong, loud shouting over women or shouting over men, kind of women. There's a sort of the, the, the sort of tomboy type. Mm -hmm. I'm being contentious here deliberately. Tell me what you think about that. Oh, there's you have a lot. Of, you've packed a lot into that I, statement. Well, <laughs> the the idea that okay. No, I understand what you're yeah. saying. But it, I, you know, there's a lot. A lot can be attributed to biology, and I don't discount that. But I think we've gone past Agreed. a lot of biology. Agreed. We can get past that and don't yeah. have to keep saying like, "Well, women are the fairer sex; they need to have doors open for them and stuff like that." It's not. No, it's don't not need to do that. I mean, that's kind of a bad example. But 
the the women that you say are are on stage, like Phyllis Diller and 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 uh, Joan Rivers, and yes, they're loud. It's because the tradition of humor has been like that. It's like cartoons. I've I've written about this. Once you open the door to different types of humor, you get more diversity. So I've been pushing back against loud humor all my life. You can make a strong statement by um, being quiet. You can really say a lot. And I I've done stand up myself, and I've right. tried to be a quiet stand up. Right. It, it's tough. It there are you know like Stephen Wright is an example yeah, of a quiet stand. Yeah. Those are examples. But the and women have had to had a difficult time. I've, I used to interview women comedians mm. for my, I wrote for Forbes for a while. I'm fascinated by women comedians because I just want to know how they got past all those barriers. Yeah. It's harder. For me, I can just sit at my desk and push back, but yeah. to be standing up there in front of a crowd full of people that mm. are expecting you to fail, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a, it's, a part of, it's a part of sort of life that I'm very glad is changing. You know, we, we've had a we've had a tumultuous year, especially as we talked before when I met you yesterday in Ireland, the, the referendum, and we've had Me Too and stuff mm-hmm. like that. How does it? You, you know, you talk often about your eye. You're sitting in the background, looking at culture, looking at the way things change. How is the whole Me Too thing? How have you sort of viewed that? And, and, and well, it's horrific. Uh, you know, at, at the outset, it's horrific, but it's a good thing because we're talking about it. Women are sharing their stories, and we're now seeing what pain and what difficulties they've been going through. Mm-hmm. That some of us knew, on one, you know, we we're aware of how hard it's been, but we didn't know the extent of it. Really, I didn't. I didn't really. Have Same to. here. I mean, I when I when it all started happening, I was I actually I actually put a piece on my Facebook about it, and I just now before I press send, I was like, okay, is there anybody? Out there, like you know, when I was young or whatever, because I've got all these friends on Facebook that could, and I was saying, well, I'd like to know if there was anybody who I might have offended oh, or whatever. See, yeah. And I'm kind of a, I'm a cheeky guy. I, I, I kind of, I always hopefully land on the right side of cheeky, but maybe mm-hmm. sometimes I didn't. And somebody mm-hmm. wrote to me. We went up, and an hour later, um, a friend of mine in London wrote to me and said, "How can you write that after what you did to me?" And I went, "What?" And apparently there was some night we were at, well, well, it was another, she actually said, well, you actually defended you some rude friend of, he wasn't a friend of mine, he's a friend of a friend of mine, but mm-hmm. she felt very upset and she, and she, you know, she didn't yeah. do it, you know. But I was glad to hear that and we had a big long back and forth about good. it. Good, oh good. And that solved something, but she was busy going, you know, maybe for years thinking about that, you know. Just yeah, right, so now you know. comes to mind, it's like, yeah. you know, that, that asshole night well, that we had out, you know. Well, I, you know, I do feel a little sorry for men. In that regard, that you know, in that, you guys are trying to understand what what it all means, and um, so are we too. Mm. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about, and again, this may be an area you don't want to talk about, and if so, we won't. Just from a personal point of view, talking to a cartoonist, I want to talk about the whole Jesse Charlie, and mm-hmm. you've been an ambassador and envoy for peace for for you've been to Israel, Palestine. Frame your views on, on, on what happened with the Jutland Press, first of all, and then the, 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 the Charlie thing. I mean, I, again, maybe it's me and my, my view is, I think Islam needs to get over the fact that people can draw Muhammad, right? I think that the, the, the word is aniconism or something. It's a, it's a refusal to paint religious figures, and mm-hmm. it's seeing so insulting that we kill somebody. Yeah. Um, where did you where do you land on that? Well, uh, everybody should have the right to, to say or draw that they want what they want to say or draw. 
freedom of speech expression. Okay. It's hard for me to talk about because um, you, you probably read what I've said, and I wrote a, I wrote an article for the New York Times right after just after the Charlie Hebdo deaths. That was an incredible day because in part because of what happened, it was horrible, it was shocking and really upsetting. But the world community of cartoonists came together, and we are all writing each other all day long, sharing our thoughts and feelings, and drawing, creating drawings about it. There was just an outpouring of drawings by everybody. Unfortunately, with the internet, it makes freedom of expression complicated, I think, because you're going to offend somebody at some point. It's going to get out. It's going to be sent over to somebody. I think that's what happened with the Danish cartoon controversy as well. It was at the beginning of the in internet, and extremist forces used that contest. It was a contest of, um, I don't know if your listeners know well, about so it. The, so the, the, the Gilan's press in 2005, yes, had a, had a card. 12 cartoons in a contest. A lot of people decided not to do it, and a lot of people didn't want to do it because they were attached to other newspapers. This controversy was that they drew pictures of Muhammad, or versions of it, and it went nuts, and there were burning magazines and everything in the street. You correct me if I thought about any of this wrong. It didn't happen right away, though. I mean, the, no. the contest happened, yeah. and then I think the extremists got a hold of the cartoons and used them to um, inflame people. The Danes called it the biggest international incident they've had since before time or whatever mm. and then in on January the 7th 2015 a French uh, magazine that was known for caricature and known for uh, satire called Charlie Hebbo uh, got attacked by Al-Qaeda 12 people were killed most of them cartoonists and 11 injured on the 11th of January 3 million people demonstrated around the world my feeling when that happened I was totally shocked I was, as I told you some very good friends who were cartoonists here and yes they were all part of the vernacular, but I felt the people walking down the street should have had the cartoons on their t-shirts, you know, which is perhaps mm. a bit inflammatory. And then you, maybe the way to frame this is in, is in your, in your uh, I mean, the head, the, a lot of it came back to a, a front cover from November 2011, where it would, they changed the name from Charlie Hebbo to Sharia Hebbo and said a hundred lashes if you don't die of laughter, there's a picture of It's a very typical French attitude. It's very mm. it's a tradition of being irreverent and yeah. making fun of everybody. Yeah. And so they're going to insult somebody yeah. somewhere along the line. And um, that's what I think that's what happened with the, the extremists mm. that killed them. Um, and they don't care about the French tradition. They don't care about the fact that the French cartoonists make fun of Christians as well, and they do. So my feeling is, my personal feeling for me as a cartoonist is I want to be more careful. Yes. If, if people are going to die, and I don't think they should die, but if they're going to die, I personally don't think pushing back. There are other ways to express, to say that you have freedom of expression. You don't need to just push at somebody deliberately. The editor of, I think, Jesse Charlie said, we have to carry on until Islam has been rendered as banal as Catholicism. But, you know, I, I was born a Catholic, hey, pressed over in Ireland, but, you know, I've, I'm no longer believe, believing in the teachings of Cathol, as I say. Um, but, you know, we have people like Damien Hirst doing piss Christ, where he is like the crucifix dipped right. in urine and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, okay, I wouldn't particularly buy it and put it on my mantelpiece. But, <laughs> but you know, I, at some point, the modern day 
the court jester, you know, the, the job of comedians, of, of artists or whatever is to, is to express but also warp and fracture culture and, and, mm-hmm. and challenge it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where that we draw the line, you know, if we say, okay, well, you can't draw Mahalo, well, then you can't draw this, yeah, you no. can't draw that. And it's very yeah. difficult. I mean, yeah. there's no solution to it. And again, we're not, you know, you've got to tread carefully because it's only a very small section of Islam that went bananas over it. But mm-hmm. I mean, do you think we're regressing on that path? I'm going to lead into Trump here. <laughs> uh, I don't think we're regressing, no. If I understand what you're asking. In other words, do you think that that sort of thing is 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 winning? I mean, you just your style is is much more kind of quiet and understated and re- and reflective. Right. I think, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than Charlie, you did a very beautiful one with the kids behind the American flag right. bars, which right. I really love. Right. Do you think that the point of outrage about every single thing that you offend is is starting to take? you know, take over from the fact that... Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, in fact, I, I kind of do. Um, yeah. On the one hand, you don't want to normalize what's going on. You don't want to get used to uh, what Trump's doing um, and what he's saying. But you, if you just keep ridiculing him over and over and over again and get numb to that, people just it's just a, it becomes something that, that gets normalized. And I also think it, it gets people more divided, even more divided. The people that attack Trump are being labeled liberal elite still, and that's what that's what got us into this problem, I think. Right. So we can't. We have to have the cartoon is still poking at, even though I just talked about not poking people, still um, exposing him for the things that he's doing. I try not to ridicule him as a person so much anymore. I did during the election. If there's something of his policies that piss me off, then I'll draw about that. We yeah. have. You know, rise of identity politics and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of outrage against the, you know, against what's going on in universities as well, and any sort of thing that someone might take offense to can be shut down. We have the situation in Canada with the pronouns and all this kind of stuff. This is the sort of worrying area that I feel the world is going to where I keep going back to the court jester won't be able to move for want of offending anybody. Uh-huh. And when we get to that point, it's dangerous because. Then nobody's, no, you know, you, you have checks and balances in journalism, uh-huh. and you have checks and balances in comedy and, and humor. It's, you know, your your line of I want to change the world through humor. There will be times when people will need to cause offense. I mean, most of humor is laughing at other people's misfortune, in a roundabout way. Um, is it really? Well, you know, going back to swinging a plank and missing, and then hitting someone the other way around. We laugh at slapstick, but we also laugh at. You know, a guy walks into the bar and something ha- something happens. It's not, you know, it's yeah. We we laugh at. It's not always terrible misfortune, but no, you know, someone walks into a door or you but know. I don't know that I I, I I don't mean a lot of humor is like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's funny, but a lot of, there's other other ways to, to create humor, obviously. Yeah. And I don't. I wouldn't characterize humor as basically that right. laughing at people's misfortune. It's. Again, I'm trying to just—it's—it's it's a catch-all statement because it yeah. doesn't. Be, but I mean, I think, you know, observational humor, which I suppose is probably your—I mean, one of the cartoonists I, I really love is Looning from Australia. If you come across him, I'll, I'll send you some links yeah. to his work. But he's very tonally similar because a lot of your stuff is kind of reflective and kind mm-hmm. of like even the one that you did for the Irish. I'll put a link to this in the podcast. Uh, the, the one you just quickly drew when you heard that Ireland right. referendum. It's not a It's not really a cartoon. No, but it's lovely. I mean, it's, it's a just. It's, it's, mm-hmm. I showed it to my girlfriend who was campaigning for it today, and she was just saying, like, she was nearly welling up. I don't know why. Oh. But 
it's just a little, yeah. it's the faces you on know, the I girls. Got, I got some pushback on Twitter from some people who are saying, why are you celebrating abortion? And I'm like, I didn't even answer them. But so, yeah, you're going to offend somebody. a few episodes ago, so yeah, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, you will offend somebody. But again, we did vote by a two-third to one-third majority in this mm-hmm. case, and it was a vote for women. It was a mm-hmm. vote for women's rights mm-hmm. to their own you know, body autonomy. Right, right. Um, you're also married to a uh, cartoonist. That's How's right. that been? That's been great, <laughs> I have to say. It's not an easy business, so you have somebody to talk about. Yeah. And I saw, I saw you don't show each other each other's cartoons. Not really, not usually, no. Right, right. That's been a really... Very separate, because we, we met, we were already established cartoonists when we met, and um, our styles are similar, our attitudes are similar, but we, you know, you, you create something and you, you're really proud of it, and you don't, if you show it to your spouse, and he's a professional cartoonist, and he doesn't laugh or he doesn't smile even, then you've, you're ruined, you know, it's like, what? So. And you have two kids, and they're both artists as well, right? Not professionally, but they're, no, both, they're both very moving, good drawers, yeah. Moving in that direction. What do you see then is the sort of, uh, for yourself particularly, I mean, I, you, I wanted just to talk to you about this cartooning for peace. I didn't manage to find out an awful lot about it. Can you just talk a little bit about what you're doing there? Um, what that's all about. It was started by the French cartoonist Jean Plantou, who is with Le Monde. And actually it happened, it, it came about immediately following the Danish cartoon controversy in... Mm-hmm. in uh, we were just talking about, there was an event at the United Nations in New York called, it was a, a week-long event called Unlearning Intolerance. Kofi Annan, who was the Secretary General at the time, loves cartoons, so he wanted to put together a day about of cartoons talking about it, because the controversy just had happened and it was still simmering and death, people were dying. Um, and so they invited about 12 cartoonists around the globe, and they asked me to be a part of it and to talk about our work and to talk about the importance of cartoons. And um, from there, John created a foundation called Cartooning for Peace. And it's, it's not like we're cartooning for peace. That's not really, it's not a literal thing. It's a membership. It's a, you have to apply to get in, and then you, you're part of a group of cartoonists who contribute cartoons to exhibits, to forums, uh, you go and you sometimes are in debates to talk about cartoons and freedom of expression and other issues, global issues, political political issues. So the first, one of the ones that you did do, you did visit Israel and Palestine. So that again, that's a very diff, must be a very difficult thing to do cartoons about because it's it is. I can't imagine fraud. living there. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So yeah. I know. I know an Israeli. I know a couple of Israeli cartoons. I know some Palestinian cartoons, yeah. and they the ones that I know are. Um, sympathetic to both sides and they're trying to walk that fine line yeah. being cartoonists drawing about you know being critical of Israel as an Israeli cartoonist must yeah. not be easy to do and yeah. vice versa so as a, again just going back to this point about you looking at the world and being I think you've often said that you're an, uh, an outsider looking at what happens and you, you you take trigger words or words that you know you've actually yeah. done a few very beautifully in some of your work is your view of the world going forward optimistic or pessimistic? Yeah, it is. I am. Uh, I think I'm an optimist. And I think, you know, I, people ask me this sometimes about cartoonists, and I've thought about it, and I think most of us are optimists. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. You can't really honestly believe a cartoon can change things, but you quite can hope. The, uh-huh. Quite a lot of the ones that I know 
have black dog days. They're kind of down. They're, mm. they're, they're shy, quiet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they don't like being in the public eye. And they, they, but they tend to be so funny. And I'm kind of like, I'm probably there making too much noise and not being half as funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, there's this, there is this um, melancholy in, in, yeah. in cartooning that I love. That, that kind of, it's, it's almost like you're looking at the world from almost like as a, as a not a god but like from space and so, you know look, look, look at that poor person there and like, no one else is paying well, them any attention <laughs> sorry I think you've gone too far in my analysis here go on no no I think we are most of us are outsiders as you said I mean many of us started drawing cartoons as ch- children because we felt like we didn't fit in yeah and so it was our way to comment on what was going on that we wouldn't weren't allowed in to yeah. and uh and I, I mean, I'm, I'm a privileged white woman, so it's not like I was an outsider in that regard, but maybe as a woman I, I was, and I was shy. I felt like I didn't fit in. But some of the stories that you've told about, you know, I think you went something like, did you go two years before the New Yorker bought a cartoon yes, of you? Yes, uh-huh. How did you keep going? That two years is a long time. I mean, that, and you were doing quite a few a week, right? Well, you know, Sean, that's a good story with the New Yorker. There's people that have that tried longer than I did right. to get in. It's just that's the way. It's the best place to be as a cartoon, as a for my kind of cartooning. And we all have stories like, well, I tried for four years, and so you knew that it was a, if you kept trying, you might get in. And the other thing I keep forgetting to mention this is when you submit every week, you submit like six drawings. And back in the day before the internet, you would drop them off at the magazine, and they would occasionally they would hold one. They'd just hold one. They'd tell you, I'm, we're holding this one for consideration. Mm. So it was encouragement. Mm. And you thought, well, I'm on the right track. I'm getting okay, it. Okay, so they wanted you to keep doing it. Yeah. The story when you first got your first one published, and they said, wait, he wants to see you. And yeah, no, I was terrified. I went to the ladies' room. I was yeah. like, <laughs> so I like, tried to catch my breath, and I was, t- I was scared to death. But there were two things that you did, you know, and it's, again, you're very humble in the sense that you broke you, you talk about it being a tiny little glass ceiling for cartoonists which I can immediately <laughs> picture a cartoon there, <laughs> right. you know? but you know you, you did break a, a glass ceiling and you also have this you know our, our, our conversation earlier about comedians and comedy and stuff like that was interesting you know you've been doing this for four or five decades and do you look back on it with any sense of well I did my little bit or do you feel still more work to be done do you look do you have a view that you changed things, or do you just sort of go? Well, I, you know, I, I don't try. Well, one thing I can point to is that I've edited in, uh, books about cartoonists who are women. Yes. I, and I wrote a book about the cartoonists at the New Yorker who are women, and there were women drawing there in 1925 when the magazine was founded. So that's interesting. And then after that book, I did a, a book of uh, women, contemporary women who draw cartoons. After that came out, I was in the New Yorker offices on the look, they call it the look day when you're, the editor will see you. And um, there was a young woman there and she said, well, I saw your book. I read your book and I thought, well, I can do that. Maybe I can do that. So right. in a way, I feel like I have helped some women mm-hmm. feel by modeling that can be done. Um, so I feel very happy about that. And, and, and now we have a, a, a woman who's, a cartoon, who's our cartoon editor. And they, they're purposely, I've talked to David Remnick, the senior editor. They are working hard to find diversity. So it's interesting. Well, there'll be links to Liza's um, books at the blurb of the podcast. One of the questions I want I ask most of my guests is what you would say to the shy little girl who was um, 
making her oh, adults laugh if you had to go back. I don't know. I know, it's, everyone hates this question, but it's kind of my trademark question. <laughs> All right, the end of repeat it again. <laughs> so if you could go back and speak to the little shy girl and say something to her, what would it be that you were when you, know, you were young? Oh, you know, on the one hand, I think that her shyness was what made her do what she did, right? So just encourage her to keep drawing. But on the other hand, I feel like I wasted so much time being so quiet you know, now I'm now you can't shut me up, and I'm yeah. talking all the time, and I, I can't wait to talk to groups and to do another cartoon about something. So I would tell her that your voice, your opinion, is as, as valid as anybody else's, because I think I doubted myself for 35, 40 years. I think women are often like that. The other thing I just want you to touch on is you, your live drawing thing. Which yeah. you, you kind of pioneered that yourself. I and mean, you were showing me yesterday how you... Because anytime I try and do anything with my phone, my finger, I just make a big mess of it. And I <laughs> so at the, at the conference... Abstract yeah, art. At the conference yeah. yesterday, Eliza, on her phone, was basically churning out cartoons, uh, you know, putting them on the internet. You've also been at the Oscars a couple of times. You've been at the Democratic Convention... And, you know, I guess with CBS News, they're asking you to do all these things. Did that just, you know, come to you via sort of osmosis? or did you, did It kind of, it was an accident in a way. I I work mostly on my iPad, although I do draw my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was drawing the State of the Union address, which every year is pretty dull. But I was drawing it, and then I tweeted, tweeted out the drawings immediately, because this app I use, you can do that. And it struck a chord. I think the people, my followers on Twitter loved it because it was different. Yeah. And it was visual. And it's bold. my drawings sometimes on, on the internet are bold and colorful. Yeah. It was a sharing thing with the, with the uh, audience. And um, I just kept doing it for my own enjoyment and for my talking to my, to my friends on Twitter because mm. I love Twitter. And then it, uh, people started hiring me to do it. Yeah, so it's like seven million likes for yeah. that. <laughs> we needed a so, with a big suit. For oh yeah, thank you. That was yeah. He was he was uh, I, I was traveling and I got into my hotel room and I turned on CNN and I and there was Obama giving a press conference and he had a tan suit on. He never wears a tan suit. He was talking about ISIS, some serious stuff, yeah. and nobody on the, online was saying anything about ISIS. They were just talking about why is he wearing a tan suit. Anyway, that's the kind of thing I so like to do. A picture of him with a tiny head and a huge suit. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, I know my suit's distracting. <laughs> but uh, so the live drawing is like a, a new kind of uh, visual journalism, and I like to draw um, what's going on wherever I am. I, I mean, I drew Dublin while I was here. I, I, I just beautiful. I, I need to come back because it's like I barely touched the surface. But the stuff that you did, we were looking at this morning too. Oh, thank you. It was just like. The, the one of the guys walking down the road with the dog or the little palace bar that you did. It was Thanks. really just, Thanks. just caught up. You know? Trying to capture the we city. Get a bit, we get a bit choked up from people. I, I don't know oh. why it is because I, you sh- I don't think I should be getting a bit teary or goosebumpy looking at your work. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mind me saying. No, because it's the, I can't say why. I can't go, you know, I mean, I, when, you know, when there's something that's very emotional and you, and you get touched by a, by a cartoon. Which That's great, oh, but yours are just so kind of they're just sweet or something. That's well, you know, <laughs> actually, I, I one of the things I hated when I when I was drawing as, as a young person, like in college and whatnot, if somebody said to me, "Oh, that's cute about my drawing," oh, nice. I hate that. Yeah, no one likes nice. So I try to try to be. I, I do like my drawings to look please people in on one level, but then I try to 
say tough things on the other hand yeah. sometimes. So that's great because you draw people in with the, the pleasantness of the drawing and then you sort of like hit them in the face with some kind of strong idea. That's yeah. what I, ideally on the political side blow I like to do. Blow it fist. Yeah. Being an American, is there somebody coming out of the woodwork that's going to take down Trump? They're, I'm now hearing now he's going to get another term. Which would be oh, God. ridiculous. Well, I tell you yeah, why. No, I know. All the, 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 the pensions are back, unemployment's down, and people's you know, money is, is, is coming in again. And the Republicans are, are not doing anything about him. They're just playing. No, there should be a Democrat. I, hope, you know, I mean, with all due respect to Oprah, not Oprah Winfrey, maybe. But there needs to be someone coming out of the woodwork to yeah, attempt no, to take right it down. Now, there really right. isn't. I mean, I, I love, uh, what do you call her, from uh, Massachusetts, uh, Elizabeth name. Warren. Elizabeth Warren. But mm-hmm. I mean, she's gone. She's quiet. too left. I'm afraid. She's too left. She's gone quiet. I mean, where is the? Bernie says he's going to run again, which I. Well, I he's don't... too old. I know. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Bernie, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> ageist. Are you an ageist? <laughs> Sorry, I'm kidding. You're getting me from all angles today. <laughs> no. No, but there shouldn't there be somebody that go? Oh, that's the guy. That's going to be. There the will be. Where I guess uh, you're right. We should start doing something now but I think the midterms are a big deal coming right. up and okay. a lot of women are running for office okay. so I guess maybe we're relying too much on um, Mueller to take him down from you know with, with all the investigations and yeah. I don't know if that's gonna I mean that we're getting close you know what I like about the whole Mueller thing is he's he's like a silent assassin he's just quietly <laughs> right. taking down like, people and right. the gap is closing and the, and Trump's there going no no it's fine it's fine <laughs> exactly. he's, he's, you should see Sean's <laughs> body language he's doing anything these funny an Irish fans here but like Trump it's getting closer and he's saying nothing it's I like know. it's kind of like the child catcher <laughs> shitty shitty bang bang <laughs> or something so I don't know where that came from but you know what I mean yeah, yeah but maybe Maybe that happens. Maybe he does get taken down. We all uh, in Ireland certainly um, hope he does. It's been bizarre. I, I oh spent God. eight years in America and I left when he got elected. I just couldn't believe it that he got elected. It was just nuts. It was really shocking. Are we? I enjoyed it. So did I. What did I. What's the one question I should have asked you that didn't? Oh my God. Uh. Do you have any pets? No. Well, we have cats. Liza <laughs> um, Donnelly, thank you so much for being on a pint with Shawnee B. Keep changing the world through humor. Shawnee B? Shawnee B, yeah. Sean mm-hmm. Boyle, Shawnee B. Mm-hmm. Everyone calls me Shawnee B. Thank you, Shawnee B. Thank you very it was much. Fun. Look after yourself. Come back to Ireland and I am, I'm going to come back next year. They invited me back, okay. so I'll be inspired uh, face. I really enjoyed yesterday. I'll, I'll, I'll Good. And can I come on your show again next year? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, if there's somebody that we can talk about, we're going to try and make uh, President of America or something like that. We can change yeah, the let's, world. Yeah. Now that you've covered me, we can talk about other things. <laughs> <laughs> Safe flight back. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Hello.